thank you for tuning in to the Lone Wolf Caves with me, Diane. I hope you guys can hear me loud and clear because I'm doing this podcast uh, live. Uh, I hope you guys can uh, hear me loud and clear. Just give me a thumbs up or just comment something saying that you guys can um, hear me loud and clear. Yeah, so uh, thank you for tuning in. So the Lone Wolf Tapes is about me focusing on the whole aspect of humans as storytelling beings. Okay, humans are storytelling animals. These mirror these stories mirror our reality back to us, allowing ourselves to process our passions and tragedy from a third, third person's point of view. My vision for this series is to share my own personal journey of understanding the human condition through the themes present in books, TV shows, films and music. Okay, so I'm not here to do reviews per se, right? Okay, so for our second episode, as I've promised in the first episode, um, uh, if you've listened it to be, uh, if you've listen it to before i promise that we are going to do uh the brave new world yeah so we will be con- contemplating a book written by the british writer algius huxley published in 1932 entitled brave new world as the, uh, those who are listening to me live on cast of Endo, uh, it's there in the description but those who are joining me live on instagram i'm also living on instagram right now i'm gonna talk about this book here brave new world Right, thank you for joining me. Right, so if you've read this book, you will know that Huxley uh, sets the universe of this book within the first three chapters itself, yeah? So when I was reading it, I felt really comfortable with the whole nonchalant uh, tone of it. It starts off with this motto, this world state motto saying, Community, Identity, Stability. Okay, it yeah, it doesn't, doesn't sound too bad, you say, but hey... If you if you listen to the introduction given to the by, uh, given to us by the director of the Central London Hatchery and Condition Centre, that's where it starts when you read the book in this uh, uh, Hatchery and Condition Centre. So, what happens is that uh, there's this director who's giving a tour of the centre to a group of uh, students uh, who have just recently graduated and are looking to work in that centre. So. This director goes on to explain uh, the process of social predestination that they conduct uh, that is quite prevalent in this society. So in this hatchery, uh, this center, they they conduct a process called Bokanovsky process where one embryo can produce 96 to 72 individuals. Um, sorry, if you can hear a small boy screaming in the background, that is my son. He's my co-host. He'll join us once in a while and give his opinion because I have no one to look after him right now. So yeah, he, he will join in the podcast, yeah? Right. Okay, so 70% of the population is ster- sterile or also known as free martins, which means that they are unable to have children. And only 30% of the population, mostly females, are allowed to remain fertile. 
one of the characters in the beginning uh, known as uh, so-called Mr. Henry Foster would go on to say fertility is a mere nuisance I mean wow when a group of people have have that sort of identity uh, have that sort of thought thoughts within them saying that fertility is a nuisance you can clearly see where this is going yeah okay so what ex- there exists a caste system where the the whole the whole society is divided into alpha betas deltas gammas and epsilons okay each of these have a certain role to play within their society social predestination so what they do is they subject this uh, okay how it's done is that all these embryos within this hatchery what happens to them is they will be subjected to genetic modification and as infants then they are subjected to neopavlovian conditioning and hypnopedia okay if you know i don't know if you've learned this in school they call it the 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 pavlov experiment you know where they have they teach a dog uh to come and have food or to drink water based on the sound of a bell yeah so that is neopavlovian that's the neopavlovian uh, conditioning but in this case for the infants uh, for example 8 month old delta babies delta babies are really somewhere in the middle of the social ranking these babies are used uh, to th- th- these babies will eventually as they grow up they will have to work in factories so uh how they condition them is that they deter them away from flowers and books one of the techniques they use is loud noises and electric shocks so whenever the babies approach books or try to play with flowers or touch books and have a look uh, um uh, into these books they get electric el- electrocuted and and um uh, <laughs> sorry they're scared of the noises and they also do hypnopedia where when the as the infant sleep they they play this um calm tune of hypnopedia where they say oh uh, 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 uh what do you call it for example one of the example would be ending is better than mending um you know that's all oh, 1 1 gram of soma uh, is uh, uh 1 cubic centimeter cube stanglumi centimeter this this sort of thing yeah so this kind of like get you in your subconscious so this is the society these guys are living in so the family unit has ceased to exist all children are ward of the state so in this world state within the uh, brave new world there there is no family unit anymore there's no mother father brother sisters because one embryo produce so many is at least a minimum of 72 individuals you can imagine they are all, they are literally twins 72 twins from infant Uh, up to right up to they are like you know uh, uh, 18 1817 they are looked after by the government the world state government um mainly the the hatchery and condition center so they looked after their condition um to to live a certain way to uh, follow certain rules so there's no family there's no such thing as mother and father they find birthing birthing very easy and as a mother i find that very disturbing um for them mother and father are like dirty words uh, yeah mother and father are like dirty words there's no such thing as the family unit um so all the children are raised by the state uh, and then they are really um you know they drill them with this whole uh, caste system and everything now 
So there are no such thing as okay. If there is no family unit, literally means there are no such things, such thing as exclusive relationship. These uh, uh, this polyamorous society lives by everybody belongs to everybody. Yeah, a Ford Hypnopedia proverb, one that is repeated thousands of times to the children in their sleep, burying it deep in their subconscious. So it's a very it's not a free society. It's a it's a society with a caste system. Yet sexually free, and there's a heavy em- em- emphasis on consumerism because uh, one one of the other proverb that they are they deal with is endings better than mending. So if you have something old, just throw it away and buy a new one. So like clothes, uh, or no, mainly clothes and um, and vehicles and all those sorts of things. I would like to read an excerpt from from the book from page forty one if you have the book. Page forty-one. Yeah. Uh, uh, to give you an idea of what what this world is about, this world state, yeah, this new society. Okay. There were the nine years of war, the great economic collapse. There was a choice between world control and destruction, between stability and. Liberalism, liberalism, of course, was dead of anthrax. But all the same, you couldn't do things by force. So, uh, uh, on page forty-two, they would say he would go on to say, "Governments, governments, an affair of sitting, not hitting. You rule with the brains and the buttocks, never with the fists." For example, there was a conscription of consumption. Every man, woman, and child. Compelled to consume so much a year in the interest of industry, the sole result: conscientious objection on an enormous scale. Anything not to consume back to nature. So this society, when it started off, they there was never really any sort of uh, there wasn't a caste system in the beginning of the world state, because after the nine year the nine years war, um, uh, during the great economic collapse. Um, there was a choice between a world control and destruction. So what they decided to do was let the world control uh, there be a, a world state instead of uh, independent um, uh, states. So it became it, it all came under one control, a world control. Yeah. Then uh, what happened was then the government decided that uh, they, in the interest of industry. Every every individual, every man, woman, and child was compelled to consume. That means they were given a quota to they were given a quota to consume. That means within this year, within a year, you must consume this much, this much. But however, people rebelled. What people did was they 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 objected on an enormous scale and went back to nature, went back to nature and culture, back to nature, back to culture. Yes, actually to culture. You can't consume much if you still uh, sit still and read read books. So actually, when people when they're forced to consume, instead of it being given as a free choice, what happened was they said no. We're not going to consume as much as uh, 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 as much as you want us to, uh, because it's, it's become a law. No, I'm not going to consume this much of uh, uh, of uh, stuff. We rather be more culturally rich than rich in terms of uh, material things. So they started reading 
they started going back to nature they started um, growing things and only living a very simple life and only having what they needed and uh, not going anything beyond that then uh, in the end if on page 43 it says in the end the controllers realized that force was no good the slower but infinitely surer methods of ectogenesis neopavlovian conditioning and hypnopedia accompanied by a campaign against the past by the closing of museums the blowing up of historical monuments by the suppression of all books published before the uh, the the, uh, the establishment of uh, establishment establishment of the world state was the way to go so at first when the world state came in there was freedom in terms of uh, okay everything after the war because there was economic collapse there was okay then the world together they they grouped everything together under a world state then they were given a choice they were given freedom but yet the industry needs to go on <coughs> sorry for industry's sake they had to make it a compulsion uh, law that the individuals had to consume a certain much and be entertained a certain much but people rebelled and said no we're going to go back to a much simpler life stability in a much simpler life but then obviously uh, uh they found that this was not the way to go and they went the way uh, they decided to take the ectogenesis route neo pavlovian route the caste system route um to rule the world to rule society and uh let me read another excerpt here it says here even books were banned books anything of culture were banned Cecilia and a man called Shakespeare. You've never heard of them of course. That's what he um he mentions it to the um um to the students that he was talking to and then he said there were such such are the advantages of a real scientific uh, education the introduction of our fourth first T model chosen as the opening date of the new era. So as soon Uh, as uh, the T model was established, the T model being uh, the destruction of the family unit, uh, the caste system, they stopped everything related to culture and nature. Yeah. And then along the way, they introduced something called SOMA, a government, a government, a uh, state-approved. Uh, a drug called soma distributed to the ma- masses by the government it's a sort of drug that is given to all all the ca- all the all the caste levels alpha beta delta gamma and epsilon for them to take whenever they feel down whenever they feel frustrations or emotions that are too strong they just go on soma and take a soma holiday they would say One of their proverbs, one cubic centimeter cures ten cures ten. Sorry, one cubic centimeter cures ten gloomy sentiments. Or a gram is better than a dam. And another interesting thing is the stigma of old age is abolished. So in this new society, if you can be fifty, you can be sixty, but you don't you don't look a day older than thirty. So everyone looks very young. Everyone is within a certain caste system. They have to consume as much as they can. 
and they are allowed to take drugs. They don't have to think, just do what they're told. So yeah, this is the world you're presented with when you start a brave new world. Um, very disturbing, very different. I wouldn't say very different to our world. I mean, like the world that we live in now. Consumerism is rampant. Mm, caste system, not really, but there's definitely a, 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 a division in terms of, of uh, financial capabilities. In terms of the middle class, the super rich, and then the one percent. But I would say the brave new world is definitely much more disturbing. And I, I would say why I find it disturbing is because I know such a world is possible. We could be headed that way, you know. That's why, as I was reading the book, I was really disturbed and really uncomfortable, especially the first three chapters because of the introduction of this um, society. I really don't like social predestination. But yeah, there you go. So, we'll take a short break and we'll be back where uh, we'll be back for another discussion of the main theme of the book. So, yeah, stay tuned, yeah. Had, had a little bit uh, uh, had a tea break <laughs> because I've been talking so much and I feel thirsty yeah so that is the society we are confronted with a society where social predestination is is the heart of stability for the society there's genetic modification there is a, a Pavlovian conditioning uh, there's the destruction of the family unit um, um, then there is um, forced consumerism and also uh, government approved drug drug use wow right now from my point of view the main idea that is disputed in this book that jumps right out at me as I read it as I read it is the question of giving up the search for truth in exchange for stability now this is very much highlighted in chapter 16 of the book chapter 16 okay so as I've mentioned previously the world state society's uh, stability is solely dependent on the success of social predestination consumerism liberation of sexual inhibitions and the renouncement of the individuality uh, sorry the, and the renouncement of the individual the founders believe a life of passion for high art search of meaning and truth through the struggles of life is futile they felt that family and exclusive romantic relationships help people back the search for one's purpose 
in life and equal opportunity for all men that the individual would have to make it and if they don't they have to live a lifelong sense of failure hence the justification of ectogenesis and uh, conditioning now uh, books are also banned they only allow instructional book for uh, books for references and stuff okay um so this uh war state has produced a society where people do not think anymore people don't have to reflect anymore on life or, or people don't have to have um uh have to cope with struggles or difficulties in life because everything is set for you if you're an alpha you work as managers you work of uh, uh, you work as yeah basically you work as managers mostly and if you're deltas you work in factories and epsilons work really uh, uh, blue collar white collar jobs you know running the lifts uh, working in the sewers working in factories and these sort of things so they they do the jobs that they were raised to do there's no equal opportunity so they don't have to think too much because they see if you're never given the if you're never given equal opportunity to succeed or to try something different you don't have to feel burdened to actually do it and should they feel the need to do something more they have a drug to dumb them down but what's even worse is that they are already physically very uh, dumbed down because when they were in the when they were um you know, um developing in the hatchery they will be preconditioned to things such as lack of oxygen um you know uh, lack of sunlight um, exposure to chemicals exposure to uh, lead or, or or sulfur and these sort of things just to prime them for their work conditions so that they will never complain or they would love for example yeah, one of the examples that i have is one of the epsilons work as um uh works in the lift so basically he handles the li- the, the lift from from an infant from within the the, the hatchery hatchery and conditioning center itself they have conditioned this epsilon child to not like the sun so he feels more secure with in darkness than actually facing the sun so in in this sort of thing they make them love what they do so it's not their fault that if that they've never rebelled or or have to do much thinking about their life or why am i just doing this job this silly job or just this um very basic job thinking that oh or, or never have to think that oh they have so much more potential uh, so much more to achieve the next point is obviously um, uh, books are important in the search of truth but books are banned in this society they only allow instructional books for books for references at this one one uh, the shakespeare was brought up in one conversation between john the savage and mustafa mon john the savage and mustafa mon are characters in the book so if i if i'm if i refer to page 193 yeah then uh let's see yeah 193 othello is mentioned it says here um 
why don't you let them see Othello instead, says John. Because in this society, they only watch softcore porn. <laughs> Literally, all they, all they, in the cinemas, all that plays is porn because they want people to be very sexually active and use a lot of drugs and just work. So when the savage, there's this savage called John, here we will be brought in. I don't want to spoil the whole story for you, but there is a certain co- a character known as John and he, he has read um, has read Shakespeare before and he finds it very weird that people within this, this stable society does not read and ha- have not been expo- uh, exposed to Shakespeare. So he would ask this question, why don't you let them see Othello instead? Then Mustafa Mon is the controller. He's one of the highest, highest uh, ranking um, uh, leader. In, in the world state there's only 10 controllers in the world state and Mustafa Mon is one of them so he he answers John he says um, I told you it's all besides they couldn't understand it he says then uh, John says um, well then something new that's like Othello and that they could understand but then the Mustafa says, because if it were really like Othello, nobody could understand it, however new it might be. And if it were new, it couldn't possibly be like Othello. Then why not? Says John. Why not? Because our world, this is the, this is the most important part, I feel like it really packs a punch. Because our world is not the same as Othello's world. You can't make flavors without steel. And you can't make tragedies without social instability. The world is stable now. People are happy. They get what they want. And they never want what they can't get. They're well off. They're safe. They're never ill. They're not afraid of death. They're blissfully ignorant of passion and old age. They're plagued with no mothers or fathers. They've got no wives or children or lovers to feel strongly about. They're so conditioned that they practically practically can't help behaving as they ought to behave. And if anything should go wrong, that's Soma. Yeah, so Soma, and which you go and chuck out of the window in the name of liberty. So John was actually arrested for throwing Soma away, for throwing the drugs out of the window. And he said, oh, for liberty. And he threw the drugs away uh, because there was a group of Epsilons who were queuing up to get the drugs. But then John came in. John the Savage came in, took the drugs and threw it away. And then he got arrested. And uh, the Epsilons attacked him and he got arrested. Then he was presented to the uh, presented to Mustafa Mon, who is a high-ranking, not a high-ranking officer, he's literally a controller. So he was brought to meet Mustafa Mon and they had uh, they had a whole conversation. And uh, the subject of Shakespeare came up and uh, John said, yeah, why Why you show them? Why are you showing them this sort of uh, porn? And obviously, he does not specifically say porn. But basically, what he's saying is like, it is porn. And he said, why are you showing them this? Why can't you show something like Othello? And Mustafa Mon said, no. Um, they will never understand Othello. Because if you're in a, stabi- a stable society, you're in a caste system and you know nothing better. You don't understand passion. You don't understand pain. You don't under- understand uh, tragedy. And these sort of things... It's not understood in a society that is stable. He said people are happy, they get what they want, they, they don't have family, there's no commitment to family, there's no responsibility, there's no children, there's no lovers, there's no exclusive relationships. They don't get old, uh, sorry, they get old but they don't age. 
physically and uh, what and they're not afraid of that i forgot to mention that the children are conditioned to not uh, be afraid of death so from a very young age say about a year or two years old seven eight nine ten years old they set they, they continue to send them to hospitals and see see people dying and they associate death with something good because in the hospital they give the children a lot of chocolates and treats and they play games so thinking that oh dying is just another thing nobody will mourn you nobody will remember you nobody will think oh you passed away and and be sad about it so for them death is like whatever being born is whatever dying is whatever to them then you may uh, okay so from what i've been saying you may think okay so if they are not if they are not uh, uh, if they are giving up the search of for truth in exchange for stability that means science has brought about the stability in this society uh, um, and so, so have moral values gone out the window then you would say oh it may seem like they are championing science but that's not the case they don't if you see in seen um we see uh, to quote mustafa mon in page 198 yeah mustafa mon, mon goes on to say every discovery in pure science is potentially um subversive even science must sometimes be treated as a possible enemy it's another item in the cost of stability it is it isn't only art that that is incompatible with happiness but also science science is dangerous we have to keep it most carefully chained and muzzled huh in that a surprise i was very very surprised because chapter 16 is almost towards the end of the book so you started off with the first three chapters introducing you to this very scientific uh scientific and future society where everything uh, the, the way they raise the children are based on the sciences the the way they pre precon- uh, preconditioned society is based on the sciences and yet you think you would think oh they are obsessed with science but in fact no way down way down the line because at first they show you oh they they ban the families they ban culture uh they ban books they ban art but as you read on in chapter 16 it goes on to say ha science is not important when it comes to searching uh, searching for the truth because he said science can be subversive science can be revolutionary and le- revolution anything that brings about a revolution can affect the stability of the world state so <coughs> sorry so isn't that isn't that interesting so all the, the use of science in the world state society is only to maintain their their present technology only to improve the technology but not not to bring about anything new they don't want to bring about anything new they feel like they are they have come up with the best formula for stability they don't want anything new they don't want to add on any new scientific revelations because they feel like sci- science in itself uh, can be dangerous so um in that in that um that is that a shock i mean like wow so not even science not even religion not even art um uh, is important for stability that 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 is what mustafa mon says uh mustafa uh, okay then he goes on to say that truth and happiness is inco- incompatible 
what is what he means by that is for the search of truth especially uh, truth in terms of your individual truth yeah the way you find truth is through one of the main ways is through religion through art when i say art i'm put I'm, i'm clumping everything together with uh, books uh, movies plays whatever or proper art um visual art art religion art and even science even science is a medium to search for truth so he's saying truth and happiness is incompatible if you want happiness you cannot have truth and if you want truth you will never be happy that is something to think about don't you think now i have mentioned uh, him uh, saying um yeah i've mentioned the books i've mentioned the science now you go on to religion okay now they will go on to debate about god in chapter 17 because chapter 6 16 was mainly uh, they were talking about the whole um idea of uh, um uh, art and science not being a uh, uh, being uh, i mean art and science is not compatible with a stable society then they go on to debate god in chapter 17 so somewhere around page 209 209 it says uh, obviously i'm not going to get into the whole religion thing but within the same chapter when they were discussing about god it led into a discussion of nobility and heroism i will touch on that when it comes to religion i mean it's a free society i'm not i'm, I'm not here to preach so i'm not going to talk much about the uh, the, dis, uh, the the conversation mustafa mon had with uh, john the john john the savage is a very religious guy mustafa mon obviously not so they have quite quite a few pages of discussion about god but i'm not going to go into that so i will go into the the next topic that they 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 would talk about within chapter 17 that is nobility and heroism if i go on to 209 it says okay mustafa mon we say my dear young friend said mustafa mon civilization has absolutely no need of nobility or heroism these things are symptoms of political inefficiency In a properly organized society like ours, nobody has any opportunities for being noble or heroic. Conditions have got to be thoroughly unstable before the occasion can arise. Where there are wars, where there are divided allegiances, where there are temptations to be um sorry, where there are temptations to be resisted, objects of love to be fought for or defended. that obvious that obviously nobility and heroism have some sense but there aren't any wars nowadays the greatest care is taken to prevent you from loving anyone too much there's no such thing as divided allegiance you're so conditioned that you can't help doing what you ought to do and what you ought to do is on the whole so pleasant so many of the natural impulses are allowed free play that there really aren't any temptations to resist and if ever by some unlucky chance anything unpleasant should somehow happen why there's always soma soma the drug to give you a holiday from the facts and there's always soma to calm your anger to reconcile you to your enemies to make you patient and long suffering 
In the past, you could only accomplish these things by making a great effort and after years of hard moral training. Now, you swallow 2 and 3 half gram of tablets and there you are. Anybody can be virtuous now. You can carry at least half your half of your morality about in a bottle. Christianity without tears. That's what Soma is. Wow. Um, that is that is quite heavy, I would say. You see, um, to break it down, he says nobility and heroism is not. In, uh, there is no need for nobility and heroism because the world state is politically efficient. Um, they have uh, the greatest care has been taken to prevent. The, the citizens from having uh, divide, divided allegiance, from having ideals, uh, from from having uh, they, they are not sexually inhibited. They don't have to have any sort of uh, idea. They don't have to hold on to ideologies. They don't have to hold allegiances. They don't have to be sexually inhibited. They, whatever temptations they have, go on, go on with it, no problem. And should that. Unluckily, if should they arise, be, um, should should something un, uh, unpleasant arise within themselves, such as anger or if they are upset, all they have to do is down half a gram, half a gram tablet, and boom, they're drugged and they're fine. So there you go. Nobility and heroism is not needed in a stable society. So the savage. To, okay, so that so that so that was what Mustafa Mon said. And then this is the reply of the savage. The savage nodded, frowning. You got rid of them. Yes, that's just like you, getting rid of everything unpleasant instead of learning to put up with it. Whether this nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune, or to take arms against a sea of troubles and by opposing end and and by opposing end them. But you don't do either. Neither suffer nor oppose. You just abolish the slings and arrows. It's too easy. So what the, what, what the savage is trying to say is that... Oh, so you've, you've taken away the struggle. Everything is easy. There's no inhibitions. Um, you don't have to um, take arms against a sea of troubles. And by opposing end them... You've just taken the easy way out. You don't suffer, neither do you op- oppose. You've made it too easy. <laughs> and then Musafa Mon, Mon goes on to say, I mean, just uh, to summarize it, I'm not uh, directly quoting him. He'd be like, yeah. Um, uh, why do you want to um, uh, suffer the in- inconveniences? You know? So he says, uh, then, uh, yeah, so John the Savage goes on to say, but I like the inconveniences. This is one of the best sentences in the, in the whole of the book, yeah? After least, after, uh, you know, because John the Savage actually came from a reservation, not from the World State Society. He was from a reservation where people are allowed to be like savages, basically, by the name of, by, the, by his name, you can, you can tell. They had religion. They have uh, cultural practices. He's allowed to read. They go hunting. They live very simple lives. So it's very different from the worst state society. So when he was brought from the reservation 
to the uh, to the World State community in London. Because mm. this it is set in London. He was from New Mexico. He's brought to London. So in the world, new uh, the the World State um, Society in London. John used to say when he used to hear stories about the World State Society, he said, "Oh, brave new world, brave new world." But as soon as he was brought into this in this in, into this stable society, he started to see everything that is wrong with it. He was like, "Oh, yeah, it's convenient and it's convenient and an easy life. Everybody has something to do, and if they've got troubles, they've got the drug." They don't have to think too much. They don't have to admire. They don't have to learn about pain and emotions and passions. He said. Then he mourned the brave new world. Oh, this is not a brave new world anymore. This ain't the brave new world I thought it is. Um. So he was very, literally, very disappointed. And then he went on to say, he went on to uh, say to Mustafa Mon. He said, "But I like the inconveniences." And Mustafa Mon said, "But we don't. We prefer to do things comfortably." We prefer to do things in a stable manner. And here goes the best sentence ever in the whole of the book. Listen carefully. But I don't want comfort. I want God. I want poetry. I want real danger. I want freedom. I want goodness. I want sin. And Mustafa says, in fact. You're claiming the right to be unhappy. All right then," said the savage defiantly. "I'm claiming the right to be unhappy. Not to mention the right to grow old and ugly and important, and the right to have syphilis and cancer, the right to have too little to eat, the right to be lousy, the right to live in constant apprehension of what may happen tomorrow, the right to catch typhoid, the right to be tortured by unspeakable pains of every kind." There was a long silence. I claim them all," said the savage at last. "Wow, that is such a liberation for me because as I was reading this book, because because we are living as a reader, you are living a very different life from from the individuals living in that society, the society in this book." So you sort of empathize with John the Savage, who is also like us, like the reader, like us the reader, who's from the outside looking in. Oh, can these people see? Can these people see what is wrong with the society? Can these people see what is wrong with the caste system? Can these people see what is wrong with using drugs just to numb your mind so that you don't have to think, so you don't have to feel, so you don't have to have passions, so you don't have to fight and struggle? Can't you see the value of art, the value of books, the value of place, uh, um, uh, or the value of high art? Can you see the value of religion? Can't you see the 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 the, the value of of uh, science? But in this, but in in the way of where you use science to to search for for better truths, for much more revolutionary truths than in than just using science to maintain the status quo. Because all they've been doing in 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 the world state society is to use science to maintain the status quo. But they 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 do not want to use science. In search for better truths, or to use religion to search for better truths, for personal truths, or to to use art to search for better truths, because truth is not compatible with happiness. Truth is not compatible with stability. 
because community what was the motto world state motto community identity stability everybody belongs to everyone there's no indiv- there's no such thing as the individual there's no such thing as the family unit there's no such thing as um, uh, allegiances ideologies these all do not exist so you become you have this uh, herd mentality in in in, in uh, within the uh, world society so you feel so frustrated and you're like oh my god um is any as as you read the book from from the first chapters until at least up to chapter of 15 yeah the john the savage will do something about it but from the first chapter to chapter 14 you be like there be an inner struggle within you to oh can i just is somebody going to liberate this society is somebody just going to go in there and tell them hey, this is not right but in chapter 16 and 17 John comes in and have this conversation with Mustafa Mon that just he speaks for you basically what happens is yeah John speaks for you um and yeah and he fights and he says no I don't want comfort I want god I want poetry I want real danger I want freedom I want goodness I want sin I want sickness I want to grow old I want to get ugly it's fine if I get important I want all this because I want to feel that passion I want to be alive So then Mustafa Mon says um it is obvious to you that passion is important but it is never obvious to the citizen of the world state. So how this story would end from from this point from chapter 16 onwards is interesting and I'm not going to say how it ends but at least I'm happy that John confronted the the leader of the world state one of the leaders of the world state society and say that you know what you may feel proud of yourself that you've created such a society a caste system a stable society but you've you've sold your souls for happiness and stability because truth is incompatible with happiness yeah So truth has to be exchange, in exchange for stability truth has to be given up. So that that is the main main question the main debate within um the book of Brave New World and uh, yeah. So we'll take a short tea break. I'm going to have a little bit of tea, a cup of tea and we'll be back. Uh please don't hesitate to um uh call me up ring in and uh give your two cents i'm all up for it for a discussion Okay now to the so in our last segment I would like to talk about the way we are living life right now what is the ideal way of living actually 
so this would tie into the whole debate of uh, exchange uh, giving up truth uh, giving up the search of truth in exchange for stability what do you guys think about that is that the way we should live is that the ideal way of living if you want happiness give up truth and if you want truth give up happiness you know that is what mustafa mon is standing for but then john says no that's not life that's not what life is about you know i mean if you to compare the the world state society and 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 and, uh, and our our society in real life you can see that um the way the way i mean i i don't want to mention covid-19 and all that but okay if, if you just think about the life before covid-19 yeah the way of life was lived before Uh, the whole virus thing is is rampant consumerism and no care for the environment we are all selfish we have hectic work life um we have very little time for our families and heavy slowly slowly our society was become this place where all we did was work 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 and consume 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 much like the um much like the worst society we consume we work we have very little time for family um, children are sent off to nurseries and school and the only time you get with them is is when you when you in the weekends few hours here few hours there so the destruction of the family unit was already happening um the there, uh, there, there is some form of social predestination going on and obviously liberation of sexual inhibitions i have no comment on that because that is your individual right but in terms of consumerism it was quite rampant you would have to say um so i'm wondering if this whole um, covid-19 thing has brought some sense to us okay what has the lockdown life taught us about how we been living do things go back to normal are we doing are we reevaluating our priorities and i can't speak for anyone but i can definitely speak for myself and maybe my husband as well i think what i've noticed is ever since the lockdown we stripped back our priorities we started to think of what is important to us what is important to our family what is important to our son um if we strive to do the, the the bare minimum the bare basics to live to become simple lifers to say of sorts you be, you want to become a simple lifer that's the word so uh, you know there's vegans and vegetarians and this and that uh, hippies and all that i i would call myself as a simple lifer I would want to live a simple life with everything stripped stripped to the bare basics um in a very minimalist way um learn to appreciate art I'm not talking about high art and all the class one was kind of but in the but I'm saying like learn to appreciate life through art um through that of books to that of music to to that of plays i mean that's the whole reason i did this podcast anyway to uh, search for truth to art to religion um 
I would like to question what struggles are worth undertaking so we make meaningful impacts not only in our lives but also in that of our community. Life is about struggle. In the worst is society because they have emphasized so much the stability that they have given up struggles. They've given up resistance and the individual and and the individual. So what struggles are worth undertaking so we make meaningful impacts not only in our lives. I think struggles itself. This is something to think about. I would say being responsible is a struggle. It's not easy to be responsible. It's not easy to do the right thing. It's not easy to live righteously. So doing the right thing, living the right way, it's not easy and that in itself is a struggle. And if we undertake that, we can make a lot of meaningful impact. Um, within our community um, I think uh, for, uh, after COVID-19 it's very important for us to be very um, sensitive and to be very involved in our communities because if we improve our communities then we can improve things um, at a much uh, higher level from, from family if the family unit is a success then a group of families within a community becomes a success. When the community becomes a success, the state becomes a success. When the state becomes a success, so does the country become wholesome. But all this has to be achieved through, through you know, um, philosophical struggles, through moral struggles, and through physical struggles. Um, I know you're saying I know you're thinking oh damn what I'm blabbering about but I hope you you get what I'm trying to say <laughs> it's almost it's almost been an hour and I'm getting tired but anyway what I what I would like to say is that striving for contentment and admiring this God-given or universe-given gift of life admiring the beauty in all its chaotic nature to be human is to continue to strive for one's own personal truth, to face our inner demons and persevere in hardship, to be kind and understanding of others. Contentment and acceptance are compatible with truth. So my my conclusion or my answer to Mustafa Mon, where he says that you insert for the, uh, you have to give up the search of truth in exchange for stability. I I would say like. I would say to Gustafa Mon, no, contentment and acceptance are cont- compatible with truth. And this contentment uh, and acceptance can be strived for by, by, yeah, so contentment is more important than happiness is what I believe. Stability, con- contentment creates happiness anyway. Contentment, um, uh, can arise when we accept the life, when we accept its chaotic nature, when we admire the beauty of our universe, the the beauty in its chaos, when we continue to strive for our own personal truth, face our inner demons and persevere in hardship. This leads to acceptance and acceptance leads to contentment and contentment 
can coexist with truth. That's what I think. Yeah, so life is truly a Shakespeare and play. And I think he's got it. I think Shakespeare has got life right by the juggler. Shakespeare, Shakespeare has got the right idea about life. Life is about tragedy, life, life is about passion. Life, life is about finding the intrinsic value. It's about searching for higher truths. To continue to question, to continue to search. Whether we'll get the answer is a different thing. But that passion and the drive to continue is what makes life. The pains, the laughters, the failures, the successes is what makes life. So a monotonous life of the worst state is definitely not for humans. And like John the Savage, I don't want comfort, I want God, I want poetry, I want real danger, I want freedom, I want goodness, and I want sin. I agree with him. I think that's what life should be. So yeah, um, I hope I've piqued your interest to read this book, The Brave New World by Aldous Huxley. It's a very good book. First three chapters is going to put you a little bit off because uh, that's where he would describe the world state society and the way they run things it would piss you off. You're like, what? Caste system, consumerism, liberation of sexual inhibitions in, in, in a not 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 in a good way. <laughs> Sorry. Um, the destruction of family unit. Um, uh, the banning of books, art, and religion and science, the banning of uh, the search of the, the search for truth in exchange for stability will really make you uncomfortable. But yet, almost towards the end, comes this reasonable voice in the name of John Savage, in the form of John Savage, and he goes on to speak for you. He represents you. He will represent you in the story and you, and you debate your side of the story or what it is to be human. So yeah, um, and I think a difficult book is not, books should be difficult, books should arouse something within you. That's why I'm recommending, I'm not recommending but you know it's up to you if you want to read Brave New World or not but I would definitely say go for it. To quote Kafka, yeah, I think we ought to read only the kind of books that wound or stab us. If the book we're reading doesn't wake us up with a blow to the head, what are we reading for? So that it will make us happy as you write? Good Lord, we would be happy precisely if we had no books. And the kind of books that make us happy are the kind we could write ourselves if we had to. But we need books that affects us like a disaster that grieves us deeply. Like the death of someone we loved more than ourselves. Like being banished into forests far from everyone. Like a suicide. A book must be the X 
for the frozen sea within us. That is my belief. Says Kafka. In that good, I mean, when I say Kafka, I mean friends Kafka. Now in that fitting. So, um, thank you for listening. Uh, I know it wasn't a smooth podcast. I tried my best, but you know, this is only my second podcast. I hope to improve with every new episode I produce. Um, thank you for listening. Um, uh, I know in the first episode I did uh, reveal the topic of the next coming uh, episode that I'm going to do but I I do have a list of what I'm going to do but I'm not sure what is it I'm going to do I'm probably going to um, uh, talk about a movie or something but yeah see you next week see you guys next week and thank you for listening so yeah go on go and read books that will stir passions within you that will stir emotions and um, discomfort and make you want to go out in the streets and fight and rage and 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 dwell in struggle because that's what life is about life is about that sense of of no life is about being alive life is about being awake alert aware because you've only got this one life yeah so it's alright if you're inconvenient. If 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 life gives you, it's okay to live an inconvenient life as long as you get to search. Um, as long as you get to search for your personal truth, no one is stopping you from searching your uh, achieving your own personal truth. I think that should be it. Now, thank you very much. Thank you for listening. Bye bye.